Ladies and gentlemen, the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra is proud to present Lament for Mobius. One, don't make me laugh. One, two, a one, two, three, four. Goodbye, Goodbye Mobius, my, my old friend. You've, You've gone, gone and met a sorry end. Because Ravona sent you with plastic. <laughs> it's, it's okay, you'll, you'll be, be back, back next week. To show Rensselaer that time crime never pays. Far too high. Fuck, Fuck the, the TVA. And that's, and that's the, the sound of Jeskies. start that in the right key and by <laughs> right key I mean like low so low that no one can hear it which is probably the best way to listen to the Marvel Studios <laughs> Fanfare Orchestra in fairness in a low key a low key am I right low key low key uh, anyway hello pod I am Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest spoiler special podcast dedicated to Loki and this one in particular is dedicated to episode four a new hope, no, sorry, the Nexus Offent, <laughs> or as I correctly predicted on a previous episode, Sexus Offent, more like. Oh Am boy. I right? Am I right? I mean, Hot no. Loki on Loki <laughs> action took place this week, folks. They held Woo! hands, Chris, come on. <laughs> that is racy by Disney Plus's standards. That's probably true, actually. Listen, yeah. as far as Mickey Mouse is concerned, that is hardcore porn. Anyway, written... Of course, by Eric Martin, directed by Kate Heron. This one moves things on quite significantly, mm. folks. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say major and minor shit happens in this episode. Wow. <laughs> and joining me to talk about it are two colleagues. Yes, just two colleagues of such lethal cunning. If you thought that the Marvel Studios fanfare orchestra was lacking perhaps a bass baritone or a tenor or a soprano perhaps or just someone who would bring it that little bit of fa fa foom that little bit of je ne sais pas (laughs) use my duolingo skills there uh it is my sad duty to inform you that uh ben travis and james dyer have both been pruned (gasps) they knew too much they had to go luckily helen o'hara hello and amon warman hello are here and they lent me their lungs. And I think you'll agree, folks, it was a thing of beauty, especially when we were crowdsourcing Lowe's lyrics to that, that take take on the sounds of silence, literally, what, two minutes before we pressed record? Mm. And maybe even two minutes into the record. Anyway, welcome both. How are you? Yeah, good. good. All the better for having seen this episode. 
Good Indeed. app, right? Right? It was. Hell of an app. Hell of an app. I'm going to make a, a grandiose claim on this app's behalf, but I'll do it after okay. this hastily written recap. <laughs> to the recap! We start in a familiar place. Asgard. What? How can that <gasps> be? Isn't Asgard now like smithereens and space rock and stuff well yes but this is an older asgard and a different asgard because this is the asgard of a younger female loki i'm gonna call her sylvie who is then suddenly time napped by a young rafona renslayer who was <gasps> then known as hunter a23 back in the present day rafona now a judge boo goes <laughs> to see the timekeepers or does she Hmm. <laughs> Once out, she tells Mobius that keeping the timeline stable is really hard. I mean, have you tried it? I haven't tried it. Oh, I, I do imagine it all the time. It's, it's easy. It's oh, just a well, matter Hel of balance. Helen does. You're a woman. You can multitask. <laughs> uh, anyway, she asks Mobius whether they've tracked down Loki and Sylvie. Mobius says they haven't. But meanwhile, on Lamentus 1, Loki and Sylvie await their doom in the form of a planet that's going to smash into the moon on which they sit. As they do so, they have a moment. Sylvie reflects on the fact that the universe needs chaos to exist and to thrive. And therefore she should live, you TVA bastards. <laughs> they have a moment. Loki says that, <laughs> despite evidence to the contrary, Lokis never die. <laughs> they always survive. And uh, they find that they are holding each other's hands in a very sexual way. I have on good authority that Mickey Mouse passed out when he watched this scene. He was like, oh my god, what are they doing? Oh, oh no! And then he just, he died. Uh, and this, this triggers a Nexus event. Mobius then shows up just in the nick of time, literally time, brings him back to the TVA and tries to throw Loki into a time cell where he will stew for a moment or a eternity. Who knows? But Loki first tells Mobius that the TVA is lying to him. Ooh. In the time cell, Loki is forced to relive a moment where dun, 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 an uncredited Jamie Alexander returns as Lady Sif Hurrah. and then punches him in the face, knees him in the balls and demands to know why she wasn't in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Loki can't answer. Rafona tells Mobius to then keep working his Loki, which sounds faintly rude. I have to mention, you know, bear in mind, at this point, Mickey Mouse is already passed out. So it's all good. We can be rude. In the time loop, Loki then has a moment of self-awareness. He tells Sith that he is a terrible person, but he is trying to do better. Back in the interrogation suite with Mobius, our favourite analyst, homes in on the truth that Loki likes Sylvie. Oh, Loki and Sylvie up a tree. Up a world tree, more like. H-O-L-D-I-N-G-H-A-N-D-S. What the hell did you just spell? Holding hands. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I had a real problem with that. Uh, but yes, Loki and Sylvie in the world tree. Mobius tells Loki that Sylvie is dead. Loki. Is crestfallen. Tears spring to his eyes, but it's okay. Mobius was only joshing. The more time that he spends with Loki, he takes on more of Loki's characteristics. Hmm, don't you think? Hmm, interesting. And Loki, in a way, is learning from Mobius too about things like feelings and love. <laughs> Loki then tells Mobius that dun, 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 everyone in the TVA is a variant. <gasps> Meanwhile, B15, Hunter B15 has been jittery all episode and she goes to Sylvie. 
Turns out Sylvie unlocked memories of her past life in episode two. Sylvie then takes her to Roxcart and shows her some more stuff. Stuff we don't see, but it pretty much gets mm-hmm. Hunter B-15 on side. Meanwhile, back at the TVA, case closed. Ravona and Mobius have a lovely chat. Just a nice chat. But Mobius is a bit distracted. He's full of probing questions about the TVA, which makes Ravona uncomfortable. Mobius, taking another leaf out of the trickster's book, swaps her tempad for his and finds the truth. The C-20 was onto something and Ravona is in on it. I forgot to mention C-20 earlier on, but I will once again point out this recap was hastily written. Mobius then goes to Loki in the time cell and frees him. He takes it back to the TVA, ready to start something. Perhaps an uprising of some kind against the TVA and the timekeepers. Fuck those guys. But Ravona is one step ahead of him, sensing that the game is up. Mobius makes his version of a defiant speech before <gasps> he's pruned. No! Mobius! And that is it, because people who are pruned definitely die. <laughs> then Rafona takes Loki and Sylvie to see the timekeepers who are basically like a tribute act to the pod racers from the Phantom Menace scheduled for deletion they fight back with the help of B-15 hooray <laughs> overpowering Rafona and the guards Sylvie then severs the head of I guess the main timekeeper he's in the middle sure yeah, yeah. Why lead not? singer's usually in the middle drummer's usually in the middle he might be the drummer he might be the drummer he might be the drummer uh, anyway This action reveals that the timekeepers are actually robots and they are no closer to finding out who actually controls and who has made the TVA. Everything is fake, or is it? Despondent, Loki begins to tell Sylvie that it's fine, they'll figure it out, and he begins to tell her how he feels, that basically he's in love with himself, the big soppy dolt. But then, what the fuck? (gasps) Loki is pruned by Rafona. Sylvie then gains the upper hand and demands to know everything. And that's the end of the episode and nothing else happened. Except it did during the credits. No! (laughs) (laughs) Lots of people were writing and going, hey, word of the wise, there's a credit. Stick around for the credit sting. It's like, look who you're talking to. (laughs) Do you honestly think we leave a Marvel property before the translation notes? Come on, people. Come on, I'm still in the screening of Black Widow right now. I'm doing this from the screening room. Mm. Uh, anyway, in a post-credit sting, well, mid-credit sting, in a mid-credit sting, we see that Loki is not dead. <gasps> he has been transported somewhere else, which looks a lot like a version of New York. Ooh. And he is confronted by not one, not two, <gasps> not three... <gasps> But four Lokis of such lethal cunning, including Kid Loki, (gasps) Boastful Loki, Classic Loki, played by Richard E. Grant, and possibly Crocodile, possibly Alligator Loki. We're not entirely sure. But there you go. Guys, dum, 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 dum. (laughs) Recap over. Talk. I mean, that was that was extensive. It was extensive. For a hasty written recap, I thought that was mm. pretty damned extensive. Mm. Can I just say, I'm going to make my grandiose claim. Sure. This episode is the best thing Marvel have done in Phase 4. And I know that's not saying an awful lot, given that Phase 4 at the moment only comprises Loki, WandaVision, Falcon yeah. and the Winter Soldier, and Black Widow. And this isn't, we're not talking about Black Widow's quality in any way, shape, or form. Um, and, you know, it's good. Black Widow is very good. Mm. It's 
so the you no know spoilers the bar, here, the but bar, yes. no spoilers but the black yeah. widow we we enjoyed black widow good black widow yes yeah. mm-hmm. But this is, I think this is, this is a cracking episode of, of, of television. Yeah, not to agree with you, but yeah, I mean, I've been saying <laughs> since episode one that I thought this was my favourite of the Marvel TV shows. And um, I mean, I have strong feelings about Black Widow, so, which we'll talk about at a future date. But um, I, yeah, it's, it's up there. It's definitely up there. This is great, great plotting because I feel like, you know, WandaVision had to be incoherent. Its its star is incoherent. That's her, you know, that's the point of Wanda as a character almost at this point in her in her life. Um and Falcon and Winter Soldier was incoherent for different reasons, I think. But this <laughs> yeah. knows what it is and is just doing that and is incredibly focused, uh, I think, for the most part, especially this episode, maybe more so than last week. And just is really good fun. I'm having such a nice time with it. Yeah, I'm not ready to make that grandiose claim, uh, but I did really, really enjoy this episode. Now, I find it interesting because I know a lot of the rhetoric coming out of last week's episode was that it was too slow and not much plot happened and people were calling it a full episode. But as I said last week, I don't think you can call that a full episode because that it just focused more on character than plot for an episode. And if we don't have that episode, then this episode doesn't work nearly as well as it does. Um, episode three was necessary for episode four to be what it is. Mm. Um, and I really, really, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I think it had a really good balance of, of plot and character work and it, it, just, yeah. it just worked. But yeah. I don't think anybody was complaining about the Loki and Sylvie scenes in episode three. I think people were just complaining about the, oh, we need to get to a place and get a thing and what's our plan to do that kind of stuff, which mm. I think people, I think that was the main sticking point for people, at least for me, I can say. I was loving all of the Loki, I was about to say Loki on Loki action, but I don't want to <laughs> make him eyes to faint again. So I just want to say that. But um, <laughs> what the heck? Anyway, so, um, <laughs> but yes, I take your basic point, which is that you know, we needed them to have that time together for this, any of this to work. And that is 100% mm. correct. I absolutely agree. Yeah, this was great though. Yeah, it's cracking episodes. It's got it's got pretty much everything you could want from one of these shows, with the exception, obviously, of of hardcore Steve Rogers and Unity Helen. But you can't have everything. Hey, and you never asked for that, and you know it. <laughs> of course, you haven't, dear son. <laughs> it's it's got everything. It has great character development. It it brings back Mobius. It advances. You know, we've been asking ourselves a question since episode one. Why has Gugu and Bataraw signed on to 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 star in a show and take on a role that for the first three episodes in particular was was somewhat thankless? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we 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 had a feeling that something was going to come her way, and this is as much her episode, I would say, as anybody's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's right there from the off, and it's it's got it's got great action beats, it's got twists, it's got turns, it's got a great post credit sting. I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, we're probably almost 20 minutes into this already and we're just about to begin. But, you know, it's got, so it's got the character development. It's got a sad bit, a couple of sad bits, big, big shocks, great great post-credits sting, good action and robots with stupid faces. Yes. Should we we go with Gugu to begin with? Let's go with Gugu. Never a bad idea. Again, again, dear Santa. <laughs> Do we think did this episode shake anybody's belief that she's the big bad? Yes. Mm. 
Me too. Or not belief, but I was, I was open to the suggestion. I now have a new suggestion by the end of the episode, Ooh, by the way. Hit, hit me with your suggestion, Hills. Really? Are we there already? Fuck okay. it, go for it. <laughs> My current possible possibility is old Loki is the timekeepers. As in classic Loki? As in classic Loki, as in Richard E. Grant. I think Kang is going to figure into this somewhere. I'm not sure how yet. But, but here's my question about that. Isn't that like okay. us, us suggesting in the last two shows that, <laughs> oh, this is going to introduce Mephisto, this is going to introduce Reed Richards, this is going, you know, isn't there a tendency for them not to introduce major... Majors, I think you'll find. Hey, at this in the, in the TV play. shows. I don't know. You could absolutely be right, because he would also fit. We but- say that, but of course, WandaVision introduces... Monica I know, Rambo. I know. Yeah, absolutely. But again, uh, up front as a character who was announced. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen this week in particular that they can drop in surprise cameos out of nowhere mm-hmm. with the with Lady Sif, yeah. who is uncredited. That's really interesting. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I just have a sneaking. I'm not sure whether Kang himself is going to appear in this, but it seems to me that they might be heading down that road. The classic Loki thing. Yeah. I want to drill into that a little bit sure. more. So the classic Loki things. That's so, that's the character's name in the yeah. in the credits. Uh, so that was obviously we discussed that in last week's show. That was uh, a listener question, a mm-hmm. listener theory about that it might be him pulling the strings. And you and I mm-hmm. both agreed it made sense. It mm-hmm. made perfect sense that Loki is behind all this. Hence the preponderance of of Loki variants of running around. Yeah. We need to be pruned, presumably for well, reasons. But that is the interesting bit, isn't it? So okay, so I I actually had two theories. I thought classic Loki being the baddie. M- feels more elegant to me. The other option is he's the leader of a sort of resistance. But if a Loki was behind it, it would make sense that a Loki would be wary of other Lokis. And a Loki being behind it would make a certain amount of sense. If we're going from that Avengers 2012 position that freedom is a is a disease, freedom is not something that makes people happy, but mm-hmm. Loki still wants to be free and Loki still thinks he can be trusted to make choices. If that is the driving force for Lokis, generally, it would make sense for a Loki to have set up the TVA to try and control exactly that. And then the universe would be generating other Lokis to take a Loki down. <laughs> so it's like an antibody. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Right. So your, your white blood cells are basically mm-hmm. Lokis that are being generated by your body to fight off other Loki. Richard E. Grant, yeah, who is in Richard E. Grant is inside your body, and yeah. you're not happy about it. <laughs> Hang on, I should rephrase this. Um, so Richard E. Grant has invaded your bloodstream. Apparently, in this scenario, yes, yeah. And then so your your body goes. Hang on a second. I'm not having Richard E. Grant in my veins. Thank you very much. And then generates all these different lucky variants in the hope that one of them will one day be able to fight him off. Something, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, something along yeah. those lines. It would be it, that seems elegant to me in a way that this show has been quite elegant so far. And again, it all feeds into Loki's narcissism, mm-hmm. which is much discussed this episode. Yes, and mm-hmm. and and seems to be a key theme. And it would explain the sheer number of Loki variants, and it would explain the problems that the TVA has with, as they put it, the orphan demigods, when they are absolutely fine with titans and kree and oh my goodness significant vampires yes um, i caught that too blade is coming blade is coming is so, he 
I mean, not in that way. God, Mickey this... Mouse, cover your ears. Oh, no. Give him the smelling salts. <laughs> I forgot who I was on a pod with for one second. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, it's it's yeah. it's very much a theory. And as ever on these shows, I know uh, you know we are wrong about about ninety percent of things as we go, and that's kind yeah. of part of the fun of it. So I look forward to being oh, yeah. proven wrong or yeah. right. Who knows? Who cares? Amon, what do you what do you think about this this crazy theory? I like it. The logic is sound, but just you know, and you mentioned about about how we we theorize a lot, and then the answer just happens to be the most simplest explanation, which we said the first time out, but which we dismiss as being too simple. Like、mm-hmm. it really was Agatha all along, for、mm. instance.、Uh, so, in the spirit of that, and in the spirit of the fact that we're dealing with time and so many. Different avenues of where they can just go with that. I think if I think it would help Marvel out themselves if they just kept it as simple as possible. And the simplest explanation to me at this point is Kang being behind it all, and not to sort of get the full picture of how of how he's doing it at this point, because we've got in the multiverse of madness coming up, we've got Quantum Mania coming、mm-hmm. up. But that to me right now is the simplest explanation for everything, and、mm-hmm. simple would really benefit Marvel. Given all the playing around and messing around, they're going to do with time in future movies. So you reckon, basically, let's say this series ends with the TVA being taken down, but、mm-hmm. we don't ever see who was behind it in this series. There's, they just leave it on a hanging note, or, or a hanging note. Kangy, I think we'll get something like a post-credit sequence with Ravona、um, having like a thirty-second conversation with Kang, and that'll be it、mm-hmm. for like a while.、Okay. I think that's. I think. That's that was that's about as much as we'll get. Entirely possible. I mean, I think th- this week really kind of undermined the Ramona is the big bad theories just by showing her as Ramona? a Ramona. Is this、Sorry. a Scott Pilgrim crossover? <laughs> Ravona as as the big bad theories because it、yeah. really showed her rising through the ranks.、Um, it showed her almost、yep. being a classic indie movie, but a twenty three instead of a twenty four, and.、Um, <laughs> And yeah, and and clearly nervous, and clearly under pressure,、yes. and clearly, you know, unless she's a very very good actress, not talking about Gugu, talking about Ravona, then、Thank、that you. you know wouldn't make any <laughs> sense for her to be acting that way. Yeah, I I I'm very much on board with that. We see how nervous she is when she goes to see the timekeepers. So of course, we have lots of questions from that alone.、Mm-hmm. If they are just robots, is someone controlling them? Is there a little man on a bicycle just behind the screen? What is happening? Pay no attention、there. to the man behind the curtain. It, it feels that way. It's、yeah. like they go, well, you know, Loki and Sylvie on in that、uh, set.、Oh, sorry, that room. <laughs> sorry, Loki <laughs> and Sylvie in that room once they've once Sylvie has beheaded the timekeeper, the the, the center one. They go, oh God, now we'll never know who is behind all this. Well, presumably they're just over there. <laughs> just, <laughs> they could be anywhere in the universe.、Mm. It's of course、fine. they could. Of course they could. Verna, but Verna also says. When she's disarmed by Sylvia at the end, she she says like, "Do it,"、um, yes, like with、uh, a note of pleading is, in her eyes. Yeah, so end my misery under some sort of pressure.、Uh, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how much she knows and how in bed she is with whoever is running things. Yes, possibly literally if it can. Oh,、mm. hello! I think she knows a fuck ton of stuff. <laughs> I, I think、oh. she's in very, 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 very deep, which is why she's. Desperately trying to cover things up in this kind of haphazard, cack-handed manner.、Mm. The interesting discussion with Rafona is how much of her humanity is left.
So, for example, I really liked her scenes with Mobius. You mm-hmm. always got the sense that she genuinely likes him. And she says friendship like ours mm-hmm. is not uncommon. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a sense that in this world in which connections don't seem to happen and sparks don't seem to happen and romance doesn't seem to happen, that there's, you know, there's there's something there. There's a frisson of, of an attraction there. And yet she cold-bloodedly just goes prune him and he gets pruned. Now, maybe she's pruned multiple Mobiuses in the past and then just springs up another Mobius and then go down the same route and maybe that will be revealed right. next week. But there's also her little smirk when she's in the elevator with Sylvie when Sylvie's asking about what did, you know, what did I do? What was it about my life that stood out that made you want to take me? My feeling in that is absolutely fucking nothing. Um, it's just mm. absolutely arbitrary and horrible. And she does a little smirk before she says, I don't remember, which suggests she does remember and uh, she's actually getting some sick kicks out of it, the sick, sick, sicko. <laughs> I I didn't really read that smirk as being evil. I thought it was more of a, I mean, I just don't remember because there's been so many. Uh, and it felt like there wasn't an event, there wasn't an action that Sylvie took. And this this ties into what she says herself about herself earlier in the episode, that her mere existence is a nexus event. Her mere existence is a threat to the timeline. And I, I thought that sort of possibly tied into that rather than any malice there. Do you think mm. it tied into the fact that maybe she was embarrassed that a little girl sort of, you know, decided, like, t- named her... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah of uh, course, a, a yeah. ...tempad. Like, yeah. That, that might factor into it as well. Makes you wonder how if she was overpowered so easily and then it's her tempad that was stolen by this variant who has been a thorn in the TVA side for what we can only presume now has been centuries, right? Mm-hmm. Given if Thor's 1,500 years old and it must take him a 1,000 years or so to grow to... You know the, oh. where they are now. I mean, look, their 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 ages make no sense because if there's, <laughs> we know that there's Norse mythology in this universe about Thor and Loki, because mm. you know Selvig gets that book in the very first yeah. Thor, so that means they have to have been around and adult enough to act in stories a thousand years before. So I mean, it makes no fucking sense. Their their whole timeline <laughs> is is fucked to begin with. So if they if they if they achieve. This feels like a tangent, but if they achieve adulthood, say mm. when they're four hundred years old, because they'll age differently than us. Okay. So then that gives Thor enough time to go and do his various adventures, and that. But that Loki's works. supposed to be younger. Also, he, the, the, there's yeah. no look. It, I'm just saying, like if you run the numbers, I think somebody <laughs> ran the numbers and said if the average Asgardian lives like five thousand years or something, then Thor is twenty four in human years. And Loki is 16 now, never mind a thousand dogs. years ago. It's not like dog years. No, but like in terms of their, <laughs> the passage of their lives right. versus their mm. the stage of their life that they're at. Okay. I'm very confused. But if you thought eight years later in Spider-Man Homecoming was, was oh put in the time cat amongst the time pigeons, <laughs> then we've opened a, a huge can of time worms here. Uh, let's maybe <laughs> skip past this. What was I talking about? Loki. Uh, Loki and Sylvie. Ravona. Yes. So- my feeling about Ravona is that if she was responsible for the tempad being stolen in the first place, she still gets promoted. I mean, have you ever worked at an organization where someone can fail and still be promoted upwards? I know I have. <laughs> wow, I hope I put the int in there quickly enough. Yeah, look, she, 
I think I think that's very understandable. If she's been a, a model employee in every other way, it makes mm-hmm. sense. And apart also, from, apart from, apart no, from that one massive fuck up, yeah. <laughs> apart from that one, but like if that is centuries ago, she's now mm. a health secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but but that's kind of what I'm saying. Like she can kiss up enough to the timekeepers, then you can still do well in your job. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to see the, what happens with her in the last two episodes and exactly the extent of her culpability in all mm. of this. I am more on board the uh, the Kang theory than the classic Loki theory. Okay. Because I don't think Kang is the same kind of baseless speculation that was Mephisto mm. and Reed Richards and the X-Men mm where there's literally nothing to suggest it, apart from obviously an X-Man turning up in WandaVision. But, you know, that was a different thing. We've we've all explained it. It's all fine. But, uh, you know, that was people just literally going, a scientist? Well, that has to be Reed Richards, doesn't it? Well, it has to be Mephisto. We know that Kang has been cast. We know that he's going to be one of the big bads in phase four. We know he's a time dude. And so it makes sense for, and we know he's involved with Rafona in the comics. They have history together. And so it all mm-hmm. makes sense. Okay. But we know that Dr. Strange has been cast. We know he's going to be in phase four and we know he has a connection to Wanda. And that still didn't mean he turned up. Yeah, but I think it's easier to get Jonathan Majors in your in your TV show at this point in time in his contract with Marvel than it is Benelin Cumberbund. perhaps. Uh, but you know, we we shall see. We shall see. For example, you know, you you, you can get Jamie Alexander in this. You're not going to get a Hemsworth. Is what I'm saying. It was really nice to see Jamie Alexander again. It was so good mm, to see really her. Really good, yeah. So good to see her. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second because I do I do want to talk about the post credit scene because the um the uh, the the Richard E. Grant classic Loki thing has put me in mind of that for obvious reasons. So Helen, your theory then, how does it hold up to the fact that he is in that final scene? What 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 do we think is happening there? Where are they? And is that the Stark slash Avengers Tower behind them? I don't know. There is a tower in... <laughs> this uh, whole there... podcast could be summed up by us just going, I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't okay. know. There is actually a tower that shape somewhere in uh, in Asia. I can't remember which city it's in, but one of the, that is a real shape of a real tower. I want to say Shanghai, but I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. So that could, like, that could be in a real world other city, right? I think mm-hmm. it's obviously a city out of time or out of space. Like, it's going to be some weird alternate dimension or alternate timeline. I don't know. But if you were a bad Loki, you would want to misdirect any other Lokis and keep them distracted from you, maybe. By living in an alternate dimension with all the other Lokis? Well, keeping an eye on them, yeah. I don't know. Look, I'm not a Loki. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, I'm, I'm not ruling anything out at this juncture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to keep classic Loki being the bad guy on the table. But what do we make of that? Because the, you know, this episode had a number of big shocks up its sleeve. And one was the pruning of Mobius, which really mm. took me by surprise. We'll talk about that in a, in a few seconds. I thought it was a beautiful moment, beautifully played as well mm-hmm. by, by Owen Wilson. Uh, but that also led to the pruning of Loki, the Tom Hiddleston yeah. Loki, of course. Mm. And even though I had a sneaking suspicion it was coming because he was conspicuously turning his back on the unconscious lady who has a pruning stick. <laughs> I, and I was like, yeah. Oh, there we go. Helen has just found Stark Tower exists. Yeah. Uh, Stark <laughs> Tower exists. Saigon. Or, or, Saigon. Saigon. Mm. Shit. 
Saigon. Uh, that's a quote from Apocalypse Now, by the way. That's not a, a yeah. comment on Saigon, which is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful city. And one day I would very much like to go there. Okay. Ditto. Uh, should we go? I'm on. Let's go. Me and you. Let's do it. Empire Podcast Tour. Wait, hang on. Why are you two going? I want to come. You expressed no interest in coming, Helen. I just showed you a picture of Saigon. That's how, <laughs> that's how much I love Saigon. That's not how you express interest in going to a place. Wow, just showing someone so a picture say. of it. <laughs> if showing someone a picture of something was enough to make that thing manifest in real life, then Amon would be Mr. Gugu and Batara by now. That's He's right. always showing his pictures of her. He does do that. He does he do does that. A lot. a lot. You have no idea, folks. You have no idea how many pictures. Anyway, what was I saying? Loki, this yes. thing. Yes, yeah, so Loki gets pruned. And yeah. I was, I did kind of feel, oh, no, they're, they're, they're going to do something with, with Loki being pruned. And this, you know, but then it happened. And it was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? You know, was Tom Hiddleston bored and just wanted to go home? What's going to happen? And then, of course, we have the mid credit sting. Now. What's your take on the mid-credit sting? I know I've asked that already, but you didn't answer to my satisfaction. Oh, fine. What's your take on the mid-credit sting? And also, do you feel, as someone did write into us, I think it's they call me Mr. Q. We're not taking questions yet, but they call me Mr. Q wrote in to say, did showing Loki in this wherever he is mm. so quickly after he was pruned undermine the emotional impact and the shock of that moment? Because even by Marvel standards, that's bringing someone that's back pretty, pretty damn quickly yeah. after you kill them. Yeah. Or or does the impact of seeing these four new Lokis and the what the fuck question, is that enough to take you bounding into the next episode? Yes, it is. Because you were never really going to be convinced that they were going to kill off our Loki with two episodes still to go. I mean, that wouldn't... I don't think anybody out there really seriously thinks that was going to happen. Even if you think this show ends with with our Loki um, handing over to Kid Loki or Sylvie or anybody else, and this is Tom Hiddleston's you know, last hurrah in the MCU, even if you think that's a possibility, nobody thinks he's going to give up after four out of six episodes, surely. <laughs> um, plus, that was amazing, seeing three, at least three more Lokis. I do wonder if um, you know, Alligator Loki, Loki is a pet. But either way, I'm here yeah. for him. For... <laughs> 99% of other MCU characters, I would be annoyed that they would, they showed another, a character who they've just killed off uh, coming back so quickly. Mm. But when it comes to Loki, <laughs> across the entire MCU, resurrection is just what he does. Yeah. So to have a Loki show without that being an aspect of the show would feel weird exactly. almost. Um, and and so, like he literally talked about it earlier in the episode. Lokis can lose, but we always survive. Exactly. Come on. Yeah. Lokis don't die, he lied. And then he says uh, later on, I've lost track of the number of times I've been killed, so go ahead. Mm. Of course, he's saying that at this point when this Loki hasn't been killed. So <laughs> oh, he died Unless again he's been Theory. Did he? No, he fell off a thingy into a wormhole. He's a god of mischief. He can survive falling into a wormhole. That's just Easy. a typical Wednesday for him. Unbelievable. <laughs> Odin's day, is it? Oh. oh, yeah. Well, it wouldn't be Thor's day, would it? Mm, could be Friday, <laughs> close to his mum. Oh, is that where that comes from? Uh, I think it's actually a different Norse goddess, but yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. Helen dropping knowledge. You know. Yeah. What about Monday? Uh, well, I forget Monday. I think it's Norse. I think it's the weekend is the Greek gods. Okay. 
Helen's going to look it up again in a I second. Am, she's yeah. going to show us a picture of a Greek god on her phone. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are Saturn, Sun, and Moon. Yeah. And then the rest are uh, Germanic gods. So Tuesday Germanic was... Germanic gods? Yeah, two, uh, well, like Norse, there's okay. an overlap. Yes. Tuesday, Woden's Day, Thor's Day, and Freya's Day. There you go. But not Frigga. Oh. Well, uh, f- I think Freya and Frigga are different, but I always forget, to be honest. So I have a bit of a blind spot with it. The, the, Norwegian, the Norse goddesses are really confusing, all right? So... Just going off of the God of War game, I'm going to say Freya and Frigga are different. <laughs> <laughs> Amon, what's your take on the, uh, on the post-credits thing? Where are, where are yeah. they? What's happening? No idea where they are. No idea what's happening. Can't wait to see what <laughs> so glad you're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that the big black dude has a version of Mjolnir. Yeah. I think you'll find that he's actually credited as boastful Loki and not big nope. black dude. <laughs> big <laughs> black dude. No. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's, because uh, I thought, and I'd written down, is he a Thor variant? Because mm. he's got a hammer. And I thought, oh, maybe he's, this is the yeah, variant's version of Mew Mew. But... The credits, the credits literally say boastful Loki. So interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he didn't seem bo- yeah. boastful so far. He just seemed large, but you know. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> if I was walking around with me on there, you better believe I'd be boasting about mm, something. You probably yes. would, yeah, yeah. With the, and especially with the fur collar and everything, you could rock that. Yes. That would be good. Yeah. yeah. He does. He did rock that. Um, Loki, but make it fashion. I would say less rocking it. <laughs> was Richard E. Grant in the classic <laughs> Loki costume with a bit of a, like a, like a satchel slung over his mm. shoulder as well mm-hmm. and a, a rather large Bridget Jones underpants style codpiece, uh, yeah. which was oh. really fetching. Uh, the classic yellow and green <laughs> Loki costume. But I'm saying if Richard E. Grant can't pull that costume off, then nobody can. He's he's also he's slouching. He's not like he's not working it like he could. I believe Richard in him. Grant Dredge does not slouch. His his classic Loki slouches. That was a slouch. What the fuck said that? <laughs> I do like how these MCU shows are uh, paying homage to the classic costumes. Mm. You obviously got a little bit of it in One Division as well. I don't think we got it in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, except we got a very faithful, um, you know, cap outfit for Falcon. We did so. That was, you know, maybe not quite Which so old we school. Loved and had no issue with. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here, Mon. Go nuts. Go nuts. <laughs> say what you want to say. That was fantastic. He'll crash through the walls any second and go, rubbish. <laughs> uh, so, Boastful Loki is played by Diobia. And I may be, if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, then my apologies. Uh, uh, Diobia Oparei, uh, who is an English actor. Uh, you've seen him in all sorts of things, going all the way back to Alien 3. Uh, he is from Hackney, folks. He is from Hackney. He is 49 awesome. years old. Uh, he was in Alien 3. He was in Moulin Rouge very, very briefly. He was yeah. in... Yeah, that's where I heard the name recently, I think. He was in Dread. He was in Independence Day Resurgence. He was in Dumbo, well, no Jumanji, The Next Level. And most recently on the big screen anyway, Wrath of Man. He was in Sex Education as Mr. Effiong. I don't know whether that was an episode directed by Kate Heron, mm. but maybe. And here's the big one, folks. He starred in two episodes of Netflix's Santa Clarita Diet as a character called Hayes. Loki Hayes. 
<laughs> dun, 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 dun. Now that <laughs> is something to be boastful about. <laughs> Man's got range. The man has got range. We are going to, I presume, find out exactly why he is boastful in next week's episode. Mm. Uh, but he's also a playwright. He wrote a, f- a play called Crazy Black Motherfucking Self, uh, a dramedy about race, sexuality, and identity, uh, uh, which opened at the Royal Court Theatre in 2002. It was described by none other than the Guardian's Michael Billington as wild, raunchy, and funny. And he was in Game of Thrones. He was in Game of Thrones oh, as well. Oh, that's who? Uh, Hota. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we need James, right? We need James to remember. burst I mean, through that James, wall. Even James, I think I would. Yeah. I'm a Game of Thrones fan. I'm scratching my head. Um, All right. Then okay. again, because the final season was so bad, I, I tried to wipe quite a bit of it from my mind. Oh, okay. Well, we, we we would also need James to burst through that wall and go. I think I'll find that the actor playing <laughs> young Sylvie was Kaylee Fleming, who is best known, of course, as Judith Grimes in The Walking Dead. And then he would leave again. So she was in <laughs> Walking Dead, and Jack Feel is Kid Loki. I have no idea who's playing the uh, the reptile. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, he was yeah. he was a personal bodyguard of Prince Doran Martell of Dorne. Okay, okay. Right. So there we go. Well, yeah. fingers crossed. We'll see them next week. And I too have no idea where they are. I think they're on Earth somewhere. Mm. And this brings up something that's been raised uh, in a number of questions by people. We are going to get to listener questions fairly soon, I promise you. But uh, a number of people have written in pointing out that the TVA is very human. Mm. There, there's no other alien species anywhere in the TVA. Everything is based on something that seems to be originating on Earth. What's going on there? Oh, we did see um, someone ask. We saw a scroll being taken in in the very first episode, I think. No, we saw we saw a mm-hmm. scroll, but everyone who Not works at the staff. TVA yeah, is absolutely. human. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But this, well, there's a couple of possible ways to handle this. Number one is, let's be honest, Earth has always had a particular centrality to Marvel Comics. It's weird, isn't it? But like a, a number of key events happen here, and like a number of the Infinity Stones ended up on Earth, which is... Kind of bizarre when we're just one little planet in the galaxy. So there is a weird Earth centricity that uh, perhaps belies the creators rather than any kind of logic. I think there's also the fact that the Earth model of bipedal humanoids appears to be quite common in the galaxy. And we've met a lot of only very slight variations on that on other planets. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that that would be an explanation. I think the main explanation is budget, uh, for the same reason that most aliens in the entire Star Wars you know, or Star Trek universe, well, and the Star Wars universe, are you know humanoid bipeds with very few extra appendages or anything else. Yeah. It's um, it's mm. mostly money, I suspect. Um, but it may also be that you know humans are particularly prone to variation. There's Sometimes the suggestion, again, in, in literature, that we are particularly bloody-minded and that we there, therefore might be particularly prone to being variants. Possibly. Possibly. I, I don't think it would cost that much to throw some prosthetics onto even a couple of the, the hunters or to have one of them in green body paint or blue body mm. paint. I think there is something about the fact that everything here is in English, everything is based on something we've seen on Earth. It's some sort of bastardized, weird, badly photocopied version of something we've seen on Earth. 
And I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just kind of going along with it. Then a couple of people popped into my DMs with that question going, have you noticed that everything seems to be very human and very Earth-centric? Mm. And I suddenly thought, oh, hang on a second. Does that mean that whoever is behind this might be it's someone human. from Earth? might be someone mm. who's human. And this whole thing might be closer to home than we realized. It might be, you know, in Croydon, for all we know. <laughs> what, you think Tre Trevor Slattery did it? I think Trevor Slattery is the mastermind behind this. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. <laughs> he panicked, blown. but then he handled it. <laughs> <laughs> I have another thing uh, to say about the TVA. Well, the storytelling from the TVA. <laughs> At the end of episode two, Sylvie nukes the timeline. Yes. Yeah. And then they forget about we it. We don't get anything <laughs> about it. And, you know, it's an interesting, like, I, in, in a TV show, I'm not really thinking about that um, because we're, like, two weeks removed from that happening. But if I go back and watch this show from beginning to end as if it's, like, a long movie, that disconnect between this big old cliffhanger, the whole sacred timeline is getting nuked, and then having nothing following up on it, and then the next time we were back in the TVA, everything is pretty much fine. Mm. It's a little bit weird. I mean, I guess that's what they're meant to have been doing last week, but you're right. I think we could have had a line or something about that of, you know, well, now we've somewhat got it under control again, so we can finally go looking for the two of them, blah, blah, blah. And we don't really get that this week. Mm. Hmm. 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 Yeah. It feels like something they've either just forgotten about or they, that wasn't the main thrust, mm. ultimately, of what was going to create the Nexus event, the Nexus event of this episode. Because when I read the episode title just before I, I clicked play this morning, I was like, oh, the Nexus event. So we must be picking up from that. And it's about Mobius is going out into the into the universe, the time first, and trying to put out all the fires that Sylvie has started. And meanwhile, somehow Loki and Sylvie are going to, and with a single leap, they were free. They're going to they're gonna do that. But it wasn't that at all. The Nexus event that the title refers to is, of course, Boom, chicka, wow, wow. It's uh, Loki <laughs> getting it on with Holding Loki. There's, there's some skin rubbing and that'll oh, do dear. for me. Wow. I've uploaded this episode to Pornhub, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so that is the Nexus event. So what do we what do we make of that? That seems to be everything else, all the time bombs, all the reset charges. Mm. That seems to have been a red herring. And presumably then just teams of hunters went out and dealt with it and it's fine yeah uh or fine-ish and, fine and the main maybe. thing is these two these two people being attracted to each other yeah i think that's that's interesting isn't it because it implies that basically a loki having feelings call it love call it whatever you want for any other person in the universe even himself or herself is a nexus event in and of itself um and, yeah. and we have had we have seen loki care about thor before like there is genuine feeling there i think beneath it all. But uh, this kind of connection maybe is not something that mm -hmm. he or maybe she has experienced before. And that yes. seems to be the nexus of the event. Yeah, I th absolutely. Because like, I love that we're getting a moment like that in an episode where we're also getting, that's, that's why I think the, the memory which Loki is forced to relive over and over again is interesting mm. because He's clearly internalized what Sif said to him all those years ago. You will always be alone. Uh, you're, you're destined to be alone. So he, he's, he's sort of internalized that and he's not even, you know, paying any mind to it throughout the rest of his entire life until this moment when he meets 
this uh, woman or this version of himself. She says you deserve to be alone and you always will be. Like it's the deserve, I think. Mm. And I think it's not so much that he's internalized that message coming from her as she's recognized something he feels about himself. I think that was there already. And I think that's why it hit and hurt as hard as it did. Yeah, that's interesting because you you say as well that he's obviously had feelings for Thor and he's he's not been shy in showing his feelings for other people. Mm. From Frigga, you know, he's yeah. truly gutted when Frigga dies in the Dark World. Mm-hmm. He's very, very sad, obviously, when Odin dies, you know, which is one of the reasons why he calls himself Odin's son at the end of, yeah, you know, at the well, at the beginning of Infinity War. Uh, I think he even cares somewhat for, you know, maybe the, uh, the Fun Boy 3 or whatever they're called. Warriors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Warriors, Warriors 3. 3. Um, and, 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 and Sif as well. But, he clearly also cares for for Mobius. I mean, that mm-hmm. is genuine shock and pain. And he's not he's not he's not sad or fearful. I think for what may come for him, uh, because you know, Loki's don't die, and you know they'll they'll take whatever you throw at them. But I think he genuinely is like you know, a couple of times in this episode, Mobius makes the point of using the word friend, mm. and you know that's that's a very Owen Wilson thing. You know, you get Owen Wilson all these buddy comedies going all the way back to Shanghai Noon and Wedding Crashers and and I a Spy and, and yeah. Sulander and you know and the most important thing for an Owen Wilson character from for for me is that he an Owen Wilson character values friendship amongst above all other things and. That's what kind of happens here. Like mm. Owen Wilson has in, in imbued Mobius with an innate Owen Wilsoniness, uh, and friendship is hugely important to him. And he has begun to see because he's a big old softy at heart. He's begun to see Loki as a friend, and mm. uh, and that in turn softens Loki. And that thing I said in the recap, I wasn't being facetious. I think it's really interesting in this episode that, that Mobius deploys several of Loki's tricks. Several of the arrows in his in his uh, quiver. You know, he is he he lies to Loki's face. He deceives Ravona a couple of times, and then conversely, Loki is beginning to you know some of some of uh, Mobius's warmth and what we now know is humanity is seeping into Loki as well and making this wonderful connection. And you know, I'm actually glad in a way that they showed that. Pruning isn't the end of it, because whenever they killed Mobius, I was wow. Mm. That that was a big shock, a big impact. But we'll get onto that in a second. But the the idea is that basically Loki is someone who has had this this ability to care for other people. He does care for Mobius. There's no question about that. But this, as he, as he even says himself, is new for him with Sylvie at the end. Mm. It's this feels like, dare I said, love. And also, is it? It is weird, as as Mobius points out. It's really freaky, and like, what the hell? <laughs> we t- we talked about it last week. There was a sense that there was a, an attraction there, certainly from his mm-hmm. point of view. Uh, that this is maybe the first person who's not Thor. Uh, although there's a description of him at one point where he's talking about her with Mobius, where he says um, he calls him a, a seismic narcissist. A seismic narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> you fell for yourself. Yeah. 
He says of Sylvie, she's difficult and irritating and tries to hit me all the time. And I thought, hang on, he's just described his brother, which makes this, which makes this attraction even weirder, actually. <laughs> but, I mean, in fairness, he's, he's talking about a lot of people and you've always seen that there's a little bit of that in him. Like when Jane Foster hit him for New York and he suddenly kind of warms to her and sparks to her and goes, oh, I like her. You know, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, maybe it's one of his kinks. I wouldn't like to speculate, lest Mickey Mouse get upset again. But there's- oh, no! <laughs> but there's definitely a thing there. And I love the idea that, you know, it was their sort of attachment that caused this chaos, caused this nexus event. Um, and like, look, I know, I know what you mean about like Loki has lots of connections. I don't think that's, I don't think I'm talking about his or he's talking about his feelings for other people. I think it's the conviction he has that he will drive them away. Which yes. in fairness, he usually does. So it's not that he can't care about someone. It's that, and this one is a qualitatively different caring about, but it's more that he is convinced that his nature will ultimately alienate them from him. And maybe that isn't true of him or herself. <laughs> Are you getting the sense this is perhaps a bit more one-sided from him than it is from her? In that last moment, when, with the hands on her shoulders, I was really worried that she was going to turn him down. And I was like, oh no, oh, that's so awful. But, but He's then Loki, misread also, the signs. Loki also does hate himself as well as being a narcissist. It's a really complicated thing, so it would kind of fit. For a second, I thought that, but on my second watch, I sort of you know, was looking out for this. And she is the one who sort of motions to uh, get handsy in that first sequence. Um, oh my God, you guys, your definition of handsy is really weird. Like, handsy is not holding hands. That is, oh my goodness. That's third base. They got the third base in that oh moment, my God. didn't they? I'm going to need to draw you guys some diagrams. You're a poor wife. So, so yeah, she sort of makes the initial move. Does that work? Yeah, it's, it's not a move. Holding hands with someone in the face of certain death apparently certain death is not a move per se i wouldn't think ah, i don't know guys well that's, that's us told him on that's us told. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's reciprocal i think yeah. okay but where, where do you think it's going to go because this is really interesting, isn't it? I mean, again, we have to have filtered all of this through the prism of this is a Disney Plus show. Mickey Mouse is monitoring all in his Mickey Mouse Timekeeper's Hall. Three giant animatronic Mickey Mouses monitor all Disney Plus and Marvel content and Pixar at the same time. So like the, that animatronic um, Abe Lincoln in Disney World that is terrifying. <laughs> Yes. Or is it more like the terrifying <laughs> figures in the Small World ride? Oh, God. Ah! Ah! <laughs> no, lose your mind. No, do not want. No. Uh, but, you know, this is, you know, this is for all of its subversion and risk-taking and bold storytelling steps. It's still a show on Disney Plus that has to be, you know, down with the kids. And are they really going to, and obviously they're not going to show Loki fucking himself, but <laughs> you know, is this a show that can actually go there and have a relationship between? I, I, I again, we can't define what this is. We, we, it's not masturbation. It is technically, technically not <laughs> masturbation. But what, what is it? It's not. It, it's not incest. Self-care. It's self-care. It's, it's <laughs> what is going on here? And but could can you can, can you see Disney mm -hmm. doing this? Although, hey, wait a minute, guys! I've just realised something. All our lives, we've been told that 
Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse are Huzz Mouse and Wife Mouse. But what if Minnie Mouse is actually a Mickey Mouse variant? <gasps> what? Okay. We don't know I, that I'm Minnie Mouse is not like, a Mickey variant. I'm just going to leave that aside, <laughs> like a really long way aside, okay? Uh, I, we don't have time in this podcast to get into that issue. I think this Loki or one of these Lokis will probably sabotage themselves. That's what I think. And so if, if Mickey is worried... Mm-hmm. I feel like nature will take its course in the sense that one of these Lokis will fuck it up. You don't think this is like a when Loki met Loki type situation and it's going to, you know, it's going to end with Loki realizing that when you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, especially when that someone is you, then you want the rest of your life to start right away. And then he runs through the streets of this weird Manhattan. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. If one of the Lokis does sort of screw the other, oh gosh, oh, no. <laughs> you potty mouth, screw over get the other. out! <laughs> if 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 one of them turns their back on the other, mm-hmm. um, I think it will be Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Everything that we've seen from Hiddleston's Loki suggests that he's fallen. I, even though I still think it's reciprocal, mm-hmm. I think he's definitely fallen more for her than she for him mm-hmm. at this point, and she is still very much even just from the final shot of this episode, dedicated to the mission. Um, and if... Yeah. I don't think she well, sees him in that way. No, I don't Believe think me, I've been friend-zoned quite a lot in my life, and I know the friend-zone <laughs> when I see it. And, she, and he is absolutely in the friend-zone right now. He is making a leap. He's, his, his libido <laughs> is writing checks that <laughs> you know, her body is not going to cash. Does that make sense? There we I'm, go. I'm not sure, but I hope not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I took the I took the final scene. You could read it either way. You could read it as you know determination. Not it's not just about the mission. It's also just about what has just happened to him and finding out more about how the TVA works because that would be the way to get him back, presumably. But if she right. believes the whole Loki's don't die, goodies never say die, and Loki's don't die thing, <laughs> then um, she hmm. she probably just leaves it to him to sort his life out and come back. We'll take some listener questions in a second, but first I want to talk about the Mobius scene and Mobius in this episode, who is fantastic. Owen mm-hmm. Wilson's great. And last week mm-hmm. last week was fun, but it, I really missed Owen Wilson uh, in this. And we hope that he's going to be back. This, the fact that Loki has gone to some sort of different realm would seem to indicate that everyone who gets pruned suffers the same fate. So mm-hmm. I would suspect that we will see Mobius, maybe more than one Mobius. Yeah. Let's hope. I I would agree with that. I, I think the, the the coaster scene from a couple of episodes back pretty much indicates that this is not the first time he's mm. been reset, as it were. Um, so I would not be surprised if we see him again. But yeah, you're right. Owen Wilson is so great. And we've seen, you know, how his laid back demeanor plays off uh Tom Huddleston's uh Loki so well. And also Google and Battle Wars uh uh Renslayer. Mm. But we haven't really seen that demeanor channeled in this way because when he realizes that he's been betrayed, he makes you feel that that, that gentle demeanor, he makes you feel the hurt that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really seen him channel that talent in that mm-hmm. way until this episode. And it just, it really works. It, it's also going to be interesting if there is more than one Mobius because they're very smart. They're very, very, very smart. They're, you know, uh, up there challenging Loki. 
and you know, Mobi- what was it? Loki playing checkers and all Mobius playing chess. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like that's a really interesting possibility going forward, and I'm intrigued to see how all this ties into things that we still know are coming. Like we've seen an image in trailers of the vote Loki thing. Yes, yes. Is this yes. a sort of really good comic? By the yeah, way, yeah, I've read it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. But yeah, I wonder if it's a sort of who will lead us, all these variants, all these Lokis, all these Mobiuses, all these whoever else, who mm. will lead us against the TVA potentially. That could be an interesting way to go in episode five. Mm. Mm. And of course, one other thing to consider with, with Mobius is that variants aren't necessarily played by the same person. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's absolutely not the case with Loki. We haven't seen a single other Hiddleston, apart from in that brief run-through of mm-hmm. potential mm-hmm. other Lokis, including the Tour de France Loki, which is still a joke that makes mm-hmm. me laugh. Um, <laughs> but you have, you know, you have Richard E. Grant, you have four different Lokis in this episode alone, plus Sylvie. So there's every chance So we next week we might potentially, uh, unless this is it for Mobius, in which case, Jesus, you know, Farewell and and thanks for for playing. Nope. Don't think it is, mm. but next week we'll either have multiple Owen Wilsons, which is going to be a delight, and we may even have them wow. all. You know, all have different appearances. So one may look like Hansel; he's so hot right now, uh, and one, of course, <laughs> may look like Mobius with the mustache. Or we could have five or six different Mobiuses played by people who have an Owen Wilson vibe. You know, we could have the other Wilson brothers. Let's for get the let's get Luke and Andrea in here. Come on, that would <laughs> be hilarious. Let's, let's make it happen. I refuse to believe that Loki is going to end without giving us at least ten seconds of Owen Wilson on the jet ski. <laughs> yeah, I just, it ha- surely it has to. Surely it's it got must. to happen. I mean, I don't know how it's got to happen. <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a lot of water in the TVA headquarters. There doesn't seem to be a lot of opportunity for him to get a bit of a run up on the jet ski, but. You know, if anyone can make it happen, it is it is Mobius. At this point, I will take it. You know, put it like you know, after all the translation credits at the end of episode six, just give me like a ten second thing after that. I'll be fine. Just has to happen. (laughs) I don't look at those credits anymore as just you know the people who are voicing Loki in different countries. I look at them as variants. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and you know, but when you think about it, you know, there's there's lots of really subtle setup work I think for for the future. Whether we we do get to meet Kang and that lovely little throwaway line that you guys have already said about vampires, which vampires. is delivered. I think I think Owen Wilson's the only person who could have delivered that line. Mm. It's a very elegant way of setting up in this crazy topsy turvy universe. There are vampires, and mm. if you're going to have vampires, you'll need a vampire killer. Buffy. There we go. Buffy that you is That's where you were going, confirmed. Right? Buffy confirmed <laughs> in Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I do. I, we have been dancing around it all all episode, and Amon, you mentioned a little bit about it. But that that the his last scene is a beautiful piece of understated acting mm. because he 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 comes out. He finds that you know they're surrounded by Rafona and her men, and it's just this wonderful masterclass in realization. I'm not getting out of this. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go out, not fighting necessarily, but I'm going to go out defiant. And the and, and you know, because I'm Owen Wilson, I'm going to go out talking about jet skis. <laughs> and I thought it was just a really beautiful moment. There's a moment where he looks down when he realizes, you know, you know what, this is this is this it is for it. me. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not getting out of this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just beautifully done. 
and and just like the, the scene between him and Hiddleston, the sort of his kind yes. of laugh at himself. So I'm supposed to trust the word of two Lokis, and and then the Hiddleston, you know, the killer. Well, you know, how about you trust the word of a friend? You know, it's just it's really lovely, guys. They're friends. Mm. They made a buddy. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, that entire scene is mm. great. I think Wilson's like. You can be any. You can be anyone. Anything you want to be. In case you've been told something different by someone, yeah. which obviously Aww. he has Aww. by him in any episode. And then the reaction Hiddleston has to mm -hmm. that is just just besties. I love it. Uh, There's one thing yeah. that really distracted me in that scene, and it is the dumbest thing in the world to be distracted by. But I'm just going to share it with you, so you can share my pain. Okay. So when he comes through that golden archway, not McDonald's. Yeah. Um, oh, you can see hungry. the shape of the gold leaves that were put on. So they're, they come in little squares. You can actually see the shape of the squares. And I find it incredibly distracting just because I've been watching gold leafing videos and you can see it in the gold. So anyway, I just want you to all suffer like I have. Ha 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 ha. I will look away. I'm not going to look Please at that do, part of yes. the screen when that comes back on again because uh, I will be watching this again. It is cracking episode and yeah they're they're so good together and all all the stuff where he finds out that Loki is has got a thing for Sylvie and he's like you fell for yourself and <laughs> cosmic you know, narcissist <laughs> yeah and just breaking my reality right now and you know all that sort of stuff and yeah. uh, he calls him he calls him now I'm supposed to believe your terrorist girlfriend and, and, and Loki's like she's not my girlfriend and it's like it's very very funny stuff also very that's the stuff. part he denied not she's not a terrorist she's not my yes. girlfriend yes. ew I wouldn't go with her i know it's so immature it's it's so me <laughs> a secondary school she's not my girlfriend i don't like girls go away uh anyway should we take some listener questions sure yeah at matthew r buck do you think the show will end with an army of loki variants all holding hands to create the mother of all time branches and effectively blow up the sacred timeline <laughs> thus creating the multiverse <laughs> of madness <laughs> i do think this ends with the sacred timeline coming down and the TVA coming down. Yep. I'm not sure that's the exact mechanism I bet on, but <laughs> but I would I mean, look, it. we've had, you know, a <laughs> dance battle holding hands for the fate of the universe. So I, sure, a, a, a sort of <laughs> lovely hand-holding circle for the fate of the universe. Zzz, universes. Yeah. Universe sure. I. Universe yeah. I, universe yeah. I wonder if... <laughs> Loki being in wherever wherever he is next week, whatever alternate dimension he is in, uh, I wonder if that might be a way for them to find all the different Mobiuses and all the on all, all the different variants who have been pruned over the years. Maybe in this dimension, maybe that's where they're sent. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, another question from Matthew R. Buck. Uh, cheeky, you cheeky bucker. Uh, they've mentioned chaos a few times now. Sylvie says the universe wants chaos. Wanda uses chaos magic. Mm. Is Doctor Strange going to be fighting on the side of order? How can a hero be fighting against the idea of free will and self-determinism? Well, he might not be. True. It's interesting. That is genuinely very, a very interesting point because it is a fascinating balance that the Marvel Universe has kind of discussed. And you keep seeing heroes who sort of stand up for individual determination and this idea of controlling your own destiny and being able to act as you see fit and not obeying orders. This has been a thread running right through the MCU, you know, Iron Man 2 as well. He's standing up to Congress and going, no, you can't have my toys. So that's been something that the heroes have pretty consistently fought for. 
But they've also pretty consistently fought to protect the status quo. Whatever you want. And as you know, I've had this talk many times about the fact that Thanos is the one who's apparently acting from some kind of environmental motive. And, you know, the Avengers are trying to stop him, even though arguably, and James is wrong on this, he's doing the best thing for the environment. (laughs) So we have this weird thing where even if the villain has a point, the hero is still trying to stop him. And I think that Black Panther probably trod the line best in that respect, where essentially the hero defeated the villain, but accepted his argument to a great degree. And I thought that was a really interesting way of handling this whole interesting, weird dichotomy between order and chaos. So what I'm saying is, I think they'll try and do both a little bit, especially as we go into Doctor Strange. And I think that's going to be the interesting line that that film has to walk. 100%. Because yeah, Doctor Strange's job as the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth, I'm not, I, I don't think we've gotten confirmation that he has that title, but until I hear otherwise, sure. to me, he has. It's, that job is all about keeping order. And given that we're surmising that at the end of Loki, everything is going to be chaotic, it'd be interesting to see uh, sort of how far in either direction Doctor Strange goes on this journey. In that that, that's an interesting point as well. You just made me think of, because this one, it's not a natural order. Maybe that's the difference. This is an imposed mm. order from outside. The universe does not naturally take this shape. This is the universe being pruned into a shape set by the timekeepers, like those trees I showed you last week. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's the difference. Maybe what the superheroes are generally fighting for is a kind of a natural order, natural law, natural moral code. These are all big questions in philosophy. And maybe the bad guys are trying to impose either order or chaos from outside. Maybe that's the difference. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Yep. It makes sense. We'll find out. Mm, let's see what happens. We'll, we'll find out soon <laughs> enough. But yeah, the, the Farian thing I was thinking about it today with all these different Lokis being played by different actors is definitely prepping us. Because this is basically Loki into the Loki first at this point, right? <laughs> and now this show. <laughs> and it's prepping us for Spider-Man No Way Home, I think. Should <laughs> there be other Spider-Men in that film played by people who we had perhaps seen don the spider costume previously, it might be (laughs) some way, it might go some way towards explaining how that can be possible. Just saying. Not to mention even they got, they got what if coming up as well, which Mm -hmm. is another sort of alternate thing. And I'm pretty sure in the trailer they had good Dr. Strange versus evil Dr. Strange, uh, which is something I'm very excited to see even in an animated realm. I, I kind of feel like what's what what if has missed its window to to some extent like it seems to be coming out at a point where all the live action movies are now essentially what ifs you know um, so it's yeah. uh yeah I'm, I'm obviously I'll still be watching it and I can't wait to see it but um mm. I, yeah I'm kind of intrigued 100% Here's a question this actually may be the first one that came through today from at film versus book Hey Amanda Hey I know her Hello, yeah. I was trying to keep it on a down low, folks, in case people accuse this podcast of just choosing questions from people we know. But uh, anyway, uh, why didn't Sylvie use the opportunity when she had physical contact with Ravona whilst they were fighting to awaken her memories and prove her point? Mm-hmm. They're still in the TVA, so do her powers, her powers don't work. That's a very good point. Right? That's a very That's, good point. Yeah, That is a very good yeah. point because... They only work on B15 once they go to Rock's cart. Mm. That's yeah. a very good point. Well done. Uh, Carry on. I also think it might be because Rafona already knows the truth. 
Maybe. Or some Maybe. element of it. But it would be different to feeling it. You know, it's like, you know, this Loki mm. has knows the truth of his future but hasn't been through it. So, you know, there's still a difference there. Mm. But yes. um but yeah, you I think that's probably right. Very good point, because this Very is basically point. why why our Loki, TH Loki, Hiddle's Loki, is not magicking all over the place and illusion projection and duplication casting. He's not yeah. doing all that sort of stuff uh during the the fight. Just on that uh, TVA thing, which I didn't mention before, I really loved the whole uh, image of the golden elevator, especially in terms of American politics over the last five years. I thought that was a really clever mm -hmm. um, point. And I also love the the logo on the inside. So it's like a, it's either because uh, it's turned on its side or not. So it's either like an infinity sign or like an hourglass. I thought that's great design for the timekeepers. That was superb. Well done, that production designer. Well done, them. Mm -hmm. I couldn't make out the second timekeeper. I couldn't make out what he was saying at all. No. Even with the subtitles on, I struggled. Uh, but that's fine, because <laughs> he was meant to be, uh, you know, like a, sh a slightly shit animatronic robot, and mm. you can't always make out what they mm. say when you go on certain theme park rides. At David L. Moran says, can we officially call MCU Phase 4 the comic-accurate costume phase? We talked about this a little bit later on, but Scarlet Witch got her classic outfit mm. as the Sokovian fortune teller. Faux Quicksilver got his blue and silver costume and hair. Vision got his Mexican wrestler outfit. Sam got his red, white, and blue cap suit. Walker's US agent suit is pretty faithful. Abomination, who pops up in the Shang-Chi trailer, has now got his head fins. And then and now we have Reg looking brilliant as classic Loki. So can we call it the comic accurate costume phase? And which is your favorite of the classic looks? You know why phase two was about people losing arms and phase three was about people being attacked in their own homes to an extent, initially anyway. Yeah. This is phase four. Widow and Thor and Cap and Tony were not exactly way off base originally. Mm. Maybe slightly duller colours, I suppose, but they weren't crazy far off their usual costumes. I like to challenge Civil War get up. MCU have generally been, they've been pretty good, but yeah, as we said, like it's, it's nice to see the super classic looks being given a bit of love and these shows in particular. They're the very kind of simple old school looks are getting a bit more of an idea this time, I suppose. Uh, I think my favourite was Wanda. I really liked the Yeah, Wanda that was one. funny. It's really good. Uh, at Fal Shopaholic, regular question asker, uh, says if James doesn't make some kind of mention about Judith Grimes being young Sylvie on the pod this week, I will be very disappointed. Uh, obviously, <laughs> James isn't here to make a mention of that, but I shit you not, he texted me uh, earlier on <laughs> Did he text me or was this when we were having a conversation? I think he texted me uh, saying something about, oh my God, that is Judith Grimes from The Walking Dead. So <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> you know, so he's very excited about that. You know, any, any crossover uh, will always appeal to the Pilot TV podcast. Uh, a lot of people are asking whether people who are pruned are still alive. And we've talked about that. I think that the answer is yes. I think I think so. Uh, although it would be a baller move to kill Mobius this early, mm. I think. Uh, Cantonas Ghost expands that by saying, do you think that if you're deleted, then you're sent to a dimension where all branches and variants that are reset exist, like the recycling bin on a PC before being permanently erased, therefore allowing a resurrection or reinstallation? That would make sense. As I say, I... I think in the case of Mobius especially, mm. um, I think he's come back multiple times. I'm not sure uh, if that is the same practice is true for other variants, but uh, Renslayer definitely has some sort of connection to Mobius, which 
means that he gets to come back. At C. Plowman asks, did the Disney Plus shows suffer from a lack of jeopardy? As these shows are secondary to the films, for now, it's clear that nothing of any real consequence is going to happen. For example, Loki getting pruned didn't really have any impact because you know if they were to kill him, it would be in a film. Now, I replied to C. Plowman immediately going, they have twice mm. <laughs> he's still nice, looking yeah. around so you could argue the films suffer from a lack of jeopardy as well in that case um, nothing is irreversible unless of course it's you know who contractual yeah <laughs> i think they could absolutely say goodbye to him in these shows and i think that's the interesting thing about people who have been established in the films and have then gone on to these shows i think you could this could be Tom Hiddleston's farewell to Loki. He does six episodes now. It's, it could be, I don't know, Jeremy Renner's farewell to Hawkeye. He hands over the, the mantle and retires to the to literally a farm in the country. That's, I think, entirely possible. I mean, the only one I thought was definitely wasn't going to be that was Falcon and Winter Soldier, where I felt like they were going to keep those pieces on the board for sure. And obviously we knew mm-hmm. Wanda was going to be in Doctor Strange. But beyond that, mm-hmm. they could absolutely kill them on, the, on these TV shows, I think. It's possible, but not probable. But in a way, I hope they do. Because the way in which you establish stakes and establish jeopardy is by actually doing it and following through on it. Um, so whether it's with this show, with Hawkeye, if they you know, do end up having these big heroes, having, them, having these shows be their swan song, then that puts more onus on uh, more casual MCU fans to actually tune in mm-hmm. to watch it um, if they know that this sort of jeopardy, these sort of stakes are going to be in the TV shows and not just in the films. I agree. I think there's 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 definitely still an incentive for people to tune in. I mean, the fact that Loki has been as good as it has been has been great. Uh, we're obviously watching it every week for our, our, our work anyway, as part of our job. But I do wonder, I, I don't know, I wonder uh, what the viewing figures were like for, say, for example, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Did that dip as the quality began to dip of the show? Will people then be enticed back if they know? Because there was that feeling, a couple of people have asked, you know, is there, is there a feeling that you could skip these shows entirely and the status quo wouldn't change? Mm. And I think they have to fairly quickly change that. But I think, you know, there's going to be lots of seismic activity in this. I think, you know, She-Hulk and Moon Knight and Miss Marvel, all those, all these shows that are delving into the unknown with, with interesting characters we haven't met before. Um they all have the opportunity to do something really interesting and and, and you know and, and and raise the stakes. Maybe not so much as She Hulk, which I expect to be a comedy, but but we shall see what happens with mm. the other ones. You know, is is Oscar mm. Isaac, for example, signing up for ten years? Or is he signing up for a one and done six mm. episode limited series? We shall see. Please be ten Please years. Please be ten yeah, years. Yeah, I, I feel like that'd be a waste <laughs> of Oscar Isaac, but you know, hopefully he'll have Dune two commitments by then. Well, when the X Men come and they open up the multiverse, he could be he could be Moonlight and Apocalypse. No, 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 no. Again, you don't hire the Mona Lisa and then paint him blue to mix a metaphor. Uh, at Nandy Selson says, "I don't know. I know you know this. Obviously, I know this, Nandy. Thanks very much." But not sure if you mentioned what the derivation of the name Mobius is. And then he goes on to explain. It's a mathematical term normally used in relation to a Mobius strip, Mm -hmm. e.g. a strip of paper looped and joined at the ends to form a twisty surface that only has one side, so you can go the whole way round the loop of paper and still be on the same side. 
which fits with what you were saying about how you think Mobius is in a time loop, repeating the same actions again and again. And yes, someone else sent in, you know, the fact that when Tony fix, you know, basically comes up with the theory of time travel, mm-hmm. he calls it a Mobius strip mm-hmm. in Endgame. That's what yeah. it is. It's it's looping back. In yeah, that, he so. puts it in a Mobius strip format, doesn't he? Um, whatever it yeah. is he's working with. And and that would make sense. It's a, it's a yeah. sort of impossible shape is the idea, isn't it? That, yeah, absolutely. And that is why Mobius is called Mobius. Mm. And the final question is more of a theory. It comes from at Christopher Baxter at bag1982 on Twitter. And he says, this is a theory from a friend of mine, Zach Kruger from the USA. He goes to a different school. You wouldn't know him. Uh, this is fueled by Loki's apparent ability to rewind time last week and the theory that Loki is in possession of a time stone. I'm not sure that's what's happening here. Uh, certainly, he wouldn't be able to use it in the TVA, which is why he's powerless. But I, I, yeah, he's the god of mischief. He's a trickster. But I still feel if he had pocketed a time stone and was using it in that way, we, the audience, would have been tipped off to it by now. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. 100%. But there you go. But anyway, anything else you want to talk about really, really quickly? Any other moments? Any other things? I think all the things, all the people we've given shout outs to over the last few weeks, you know, this is a really well written script. Michael Waldron, the creator and the head writer in the show, is doing a fantastic job. He's really, really well directed by Kate Heron, who is, you know, I, I'd love to see her continue in the MCU mm-hmm. on the big screen, perhaps, after this. Uh, but we haven't mm-hmm. mentioned this is one of the most well-lit, beautifully designed and shot shows on TV for me right now. So the production mm-hmm. designer is Kazra Farahani and the cinematographer is Autumn Durald, and they're all doing absolutely stellar work every mm-hmm. single week. 100% agree. I think it's looking fantastic. Yeah, I just, I'm really loving it. I don't know what to tell you. I'm really, really liking it. I The one thing, I thought, thought it was very harsh to call them mindless androids immediately. I mean, that to me says they're mindless robots. Like androids have another sort of bit of life to them. It seems a bit harsh. I felt bad for data. Vision would be very offended. <laughs> <laughs> the show lacks vision. Uh, and uh, I'm on, I'm on. Uh, do you want to check your bank account? Yes, thank you for reminding me. Uh, and that deposit has gone through. So let's talk about Natalie Holt and her amazing school. Um, <laughs> finally, follow your, your lawyer. advice, Chris. If you're good at something, <laughs> never do it for free. Let us clarify that you're joking. <laughs> yes, okay, fine, Helen. I am joking. But not about Natalie Holt's True. amazing score, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, there's a couple of moments to me in this episode which really stick out when uh, Sylvie is recounting her story early on. Um, the music, it feels like a lament, mm. which is obviously <laughs> ironic given that it's taking place on Lamentus 1. Um, but it actually reminded me of um, Mark Mothersbaugh's score for Thor Ragnarok when Odin mm. passes away, um, which is similar and uh in the, in the musical sense, it's similar uh, in a really good way. And, the, and then the moment um, we spoke about it earlier, when Mobius is killed, the big brass in the slow rendition of the theme in that moment really underscores how much that death mm. impacts Loki. Mm. Um, it's a really powerful piece of music that just underlines everything in that scene. So, yeah, um, she's doing some really, really great work. And mm. uh, it's really good to see you know people acknowledging that online as well. I think... Uh, there have been times in the past when scores in the MCU have gotten a bad rap, undeservedly, in my opinion. Uh, but people seem to be really taken to Natalie Holt's score, and that is for good reason. Also, we should say a word about uh, Winmi Masako in this, because I feel like the mm. the yes. decision not to show the memory that she's seeing yes. is 
totally the right one because you're seeing it all in her face. She's just so good. She doesn't say a word and you still get the whole thing in that moment. And I think it's, mm-hmm. it's brilliantly, brilliantly done. Yeah. I like that, you know, I completely agree in that we all see it, see it on her face and some fantastic active performance. I still would have liked to have seen it. <laughs> Fair enough. Tell not show, <laughs> tell not show. <laughs> Come on. You got, we got to fill in the blanks ourselves at some point. Uh, anyway, I think that is it. On that note, that is it for our latest, uh, possibly longest, I'm not sure, Loki spoiler special. Join us next week for the penultimate episode. Oh, I'm getting nervous about these no. episodes now because I really hope that they stick the landing <laughs> of this thing. And I'm sure they will. I'm mm. sure they will. Uh, join us next week for more Loki-related fun. But until then, until that auspicious occasion, until we meet again, it is goodbye from my two, just two colleagues of such lethal cunning. Squadcast names. <laughs> such a shame that, that uh, Amon, you didn't go for just kind of an asshole and a bad friend. Instead, <laughs> you've gone for insult, slap, punch, repeat. <laughs> yes. Peace. Amon Warman, there he is. Endlessly need in the balls by Lady Sif. <laughs> and it is goodbye from the folksy, dopey insult from the folksy dope, Helen O'Hara. Totally. And it's goodbye from me, the latest and perhaps greatest of all the Loki variants. Yes, it's me, shambolic, slightly inept, slightly overweight, balding Loki. Thank you so much for listening. I'm off to touch myself and see if I can't trigger a Nexus event. Christmas. On the arm, Helen. On the arm. Oh my God. Mickey, it's all right. Stay where you are. Oh, God. Mickey, no. We need a crash garden here. Stat. Oh, I'm coding out. Good words of light. Good words of light. Oh. Why is he telling himself to go to the light? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Bye.